So this series is, is called The Kingdom, and today my sermon title is called The King of My Heart. Can you say that with me? The King of My Heart. See, from the very beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, he went about preaching the kingdom of God. So I believe it's really important for us to have an understanding on what the kingdom of God is. As a matter of fact, Jesus says in the scriptures, the gospel of the kingdom. And so I think it's important for us to understand because maybe you don't really understand, well, what exactly is the kingdom? If you don't understand that, that's okay because we're going to teach it today, but don't feel alone because even the disciples who walked with Jesus for three and a half years didn't quite understand what the kingdom of God was. And so I want to um, try to break that down because I believe that we need to have that understanding before we can really preach the gospel of the kingdom, which is the good news of the kingdom. So what is the kingdom of God? Or in some places, uh, it's called the kingdom of heaven in the scripture. So what is that? Is it just heaven? Is it just something we inherit when we die? Well, a lot of people kind of think that way. But it's more than that, friends. Broadly speaking, and I mean very broadly here, the kingdom of God is the rule of the eternal sovereign king of the entire universe. I love what Psalms 103.19 says. It says, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. <laughs> I'm going to break down the word kingdom, okay? King as the prefix is one king. Dumb as the suffix is domain. One reign, one rule. The kingdom is about Jesus ruling and reigning over all. There is one king and one kingdom that lasts forever. The king is Jesus. The Bible says in uh, Revelations 19, 16, that Jesus is the king of kings and Lord of lords. See, in essence, when we get saved, friends, or born again, we now align ourselves with Jesus and his kingdom. That means he has he his rules should govern over our life. His rule and reign should begin in our hearts, which means he should sit on the throne of our hearts. See, when Jesus um, came to earth, it was for a purpose. And that purpose, part of that purpose was to take back dominion from the enemy. Because, see, friends, God originally gave dominion, if you actually go back to the book of Genesis, to Adam and Eve, to people. He gave them dominion. The scripture says in Genesis that they had dominion over the animals, over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, and they were to, to have authority. But see, they forfeited their authority when they fell into temptation and they sinned. And that's when the enemy gained dominion, as, as the scriptures talk about. See, I want to go just a little bit. I, I, I could really just stay in, in, in just the book of Genesis and talk about the kingdom forever, but we're going to just lay a foundation before we move forward, okay? So in the book of Genesis in chapter 3, <clears throat> this is probably one of the most famous chapters in the book of Genesis, maybe the most one. It is about the fall of man. And, and I don't, a lot of Bibles have... Um, titles and headings over different chapters. Uh, over this one, at least in the King James, it says in chapter 3, the, the title, the heading of the chapter is The Temptation and the Fall of Man. 
That stuck out to me because I always look at Genesis chapter 3 as the fall of man. Okay, But I didn't really put in my mind the temptation and the fall of man. I want, I want you to hold on to that word, the temptation, for just a minute. Genesis 3, 5, this is a different translation that you might not hear a lot, but I really like this translation. I think it's kind of accurate here, um, and it's the Darby Bible translation. Some people say it's the most accurate. And it says this, but God knows that in the day ye eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and ye will be as God, knowing good and evil. So when the serpent came to Eve and tempted her, say tempted, the temptation was for her, uh, for Adam as he partook in it too, to be as God. Okay? A lot of times when we talk about the original sin, uh, there's a whole, a whole doctrine on the original sin. A lot of times people will go back and say, well, the original sin was maybe people would say rebellion. It was disobedience. But I believe the original sin was falling into the temptation to be, try to be God, as God. Try to be, if you will, ruler of your own life. Your own king, if you will. And if we actually look back to almost any sin that we fall into that people fall into, it all goes back to wanting to do what you want to do. The scripture says it's the sin that so easily entices you, friends. We can call it a lot of different things, rebellion, disobedience, idolatry, but it all comes back to wanting to do what you want to do, being your own ruler, being your own king, trying to be as God. However, there can only be one king and one rule, and that king is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. And when Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom, he was bringing alignment, taking dominion back from the enemy, buying us and redeeming us back to the enemy so that we can have place again and have authority again in his name. Because the authority and dominion that God gave Adam and Eve was never to be for themselves. It was when they walked in the cool of the day with him. It's to be aligned with God, not to be God, not to be our own king. And so Jesus came to take dominion, to take uh, authority back from the enemy and to buy us back, redeem us from the enemy. But friends, there was a temptation that Jesus had to endure before he went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Now, last week we read a lot in Matthew chapter four, and so I'm not gonna um, go back and read it, but that is foundation to the message of the kingdom. Because before Jesus was released to preach the kingdom, he had to endure the temptation. And if you actually look at Matthew chapter 4, and there's a heading there too of that chapter, and the heading there is Satan tempts Jesus. See, we can learn a lot from Jesus about combating temptation and about wanting to be our own king and do things our own way. In Genesis, the temptation was to be like God by disobeying God, right? But in Matthew, the appeal to Jesus was to be king, but without obeying God. Do you hear that, friends? 
Do you hear those similarities? In Genesis chapter 3, the temptation was to be like God by disobeying God. Okay? But in Matthew chapter 4, the appeal to Jesus from the enemy was to be king but without obeying God. And this is the thing that I would say the number one thing that his disciples were confused about until the resurrection was, if you are king, why are you not setting up rule and reign right here? Why are you not kicking out the Roman government and setting up your government and your rule and reign right here on earth? But Jesus had, a God had a bigger plan. See, the Bible says he was actually the lamb who was slain from the foundations of the earth. He, could have, he couldn't just set up his rule and reign here on earth without first redeeming us, buying us back from the enemy. And there was still this desire in man to be their own ruler in reign. And it still is in us today until we get born again. And then we, when we're born again as little children, we are now submitting and saying, okay, I'm not my own boss anymore. You are king. You are Lord. See, what happens is we preach the gospel of salvation instead of the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of salvation says, that's it. Get born again. Give your heart to the Lord. Make him savior. But we miss it because Jesus is not just savior. He redeemed us. He is savior, but not just to save us, but to be Lord, king of kings, Lord of lords, to be master, to set up the throne now in our heart to rule and reign over our life. Friends, that's where the kingdom starts. And so Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom, and it's so confusing. I'm going to just be real. Like, I like to understand things. And so when I hear a whole bunch of uh, stuff that doesn't make sense, I want to go back and study and, 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 and understand it. As a matter of fact, Jesus would talk about the kingdom and say, well, you know, this is a, this is a mystery to those, but I'm going to break it down in parables to you for you to understand. And, you're, and, and he gives example after example of now the kingdom is like this and the kingdom is like that throughout his whole scripture because people were confused about what the kingdom is. And friends, I believe that the American church had stopped preaching for the most part, not all, but for the most part, the gospel of the kingdom. We say, make Jesus savior, but we forget to say, and Lord, and Lord, master, king of kings, Lord of lords. He first has to conquer our own heart. We first have to get off the throne ourselves and say, here you go, God, you sit on it. That's Lord, not just save me, but, but God, I'm going to submit my life to your rule. And so here we are in Matthew chapter 4, and there's, there's these three temptations that Jesus endures. But friends, all of the temptations that he endures comes back to the, the fact that the enemy is trying to make him king, give him the kingdom, because the, the Bible says that, that uh you know, we read in Matthew chapter four that he says, hey, if you do this, then, then I will give you all the rule over all, all these kingdoms to make you king, but without obeying God. But Jesus knew he came to suffer and to die on the cross to redeem us from the enemy. Are you starting to understand this just a little bit? Because it's so important in our relationship with God. I want to just read, I know I read this twice, but one more time in Genesis, the temptation was to be like God by disobeying God. And Matthew, the appeal to Jesus was to be king, but without obeying God. Friends, I believe that the Lord spoke to me this week that there are many of us that are in what I would call a desert season or a wilderness season. Both of those words in the scripture are kind of used interchangeably. And it's in that place where, where the enemy is allowed to tempt you. 
And, and the temptation is to say, you know what, forget it. I'm going to just do this my way. Right? That's, that's, that's what all sin comes back to. I just want to do this my way. I'm just going to be in charge. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to rely on my own gifts, my own abilities, and I'm going to do this my way. And that's the temptation that we endure when we're in the wilderness or when we're in the desert. But like Jesus, we, we can rely on Jesus because he is, uh, he is one who was tempted in every way and yet did not sin. And so we have to rely on him to make sure that, that we are keeping Jesus Christ, the king of kings, the king of our heart. And so I want to give you um, just some encouragement here of four ways that we can help keep Jesus king in our heart, especially when you're in a desert season. And we're going to break down some more things in Matthew chapter 4 because we can learn from Jesus and how he overcame temptation. The very first thing, this is going to spell out the word king, if we want to keep Jesus king in our heart, the very first thing is that we need to keep his kingdom first, right? King means he's the Lord. Dumb, meaning domain, we're going to keep his rule and reign first. He's going to be the one who governs our life. His, that means not my will, but your will be done. He's first. So even when life is hard and we're in the wilderness season, we must keep the kingdom of God first in our lives. Matthew 6, says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. What we do in America, and I see this a lot in, the, in, in especially the suburbs of America, is we want to do all these things, ask God to bless them instead of first seeking him and then allowing him to add all these things to us. It's called keeping up with the Joneses. Listen, y'all, they didn't come up with that saying in the hood. They came up with that saying in the suburbs, okay? Keeping up with the Joneses. The Joneses in the hood are probably crack addicts, and you don't want to keep up with them, okay? But in the suburbs, it's keeping up with the Joneses. It's, it's going after all these things. Got to work 60 hours and never see your family, and we got to have the big house and the three-car garage, and we got to make sure everything looks good on the outside, but on the inside where Jesus wants to rule and reign, no one really needs to know about that if he's really master, if he's really Lord, or if his kingdom is really first in our life. Come on, somebody. And we put on this facade because we have all these things, but we don't really have the thing that matters most, that he is king of kings and lord of lords. And so to keep the kingdom first is a sign that he, Jesus Christ, is really the king of your heart. See, Jesus' temptation, it was to be self-sufficient, to put self before the kingdom of God. That first temptation that he endured where, where the enemy came to him and said, uh, you're hungry, right? He's fasting 40 days. You're hungry. Turn this stone into bread. Now, go back to Genesis again. It's kind of interesting that Eve and Adam sinned, and what did the enemy use? He used food. It's kind of funny that he used food as the first temptation again. Interesting, huh? But see, Jesus said, I'm not going to be self-sufficient. I'm not going to be king without obeying God. I'm not going to be king without suffering and dying on the cross and redeeming mankind from the enemy first. No, I'm not taking shortcuts. Come on, somebody. Woo, we're all about shortcuts in America. Five ways to get rich quick. You know, someone's read that article. I probably have. Come on. Five ways to grow your church so fast that you didn't even realize it grew until you walked in. I mean, come on. We, there's all these different things of how to do it the quick way. And we have no patience and no endurance to go through the hard times. And I'm preaching to myself. That temptation to be self-sufficient, 
to put self before the kingdom of God, to do it our way instead of his way. See, in response, Jesus quoted from the book of Deuteronomy. He quoted in Matthew 4, 4, man does not live on bread alone, but on every good word that comes from the mouth of God, right? If you read in Deuteronomy chapter 8 where he quoted that from, you will find that their topic there is that the Israelites are hungering in the wilderness for 40 days. They want food. Some of them said, I would rather go back to slavery in Egypt where there's leeks and melons. But in Deuteronomy 8, 2, it says this. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart. Say, what is in my heart? Make it personal there. Whether or not you will keep his command. See, it was more than just about food here. The devil said, this worked with Eve, and this worked with the the Israelites who were rescued from slavery. Maybe this same temptation to be self-sufficient, to be your own king, and to do it your own way will work with Jesus. You're You're in a vulnerable state. You're going through some hard times. You've been fasting without food for 40 days. Turn this stone into bread. It was more than just eating, friends. It was saying, be your own king your own way. See, Jesus didn't have to do that because he was already king of kings and lord of lords, but he wasn't going to take shortcuts. He was going to be obedient to God. See, God tested them in the wilderness so that they would learn that they must obey what comes from the mouth of God. Jesus said, it's not what goes into your body that makes you unclean, but it's what comes out of your body, friends. We have to obey what comes out of the mouth of God, and we need to start speaking what comes out of his mouth instead of what is just in our heads, because sometimes those are the lies of the enemy, and we are in this desert place, right? Some of us are in this place, this wilderness place. Things aren't going as fast as we want it to go. Things are hard. We're struggling, and instead of speaking out what comes from his mouth, instead of speaking that, we're speaking just every lie of the enemy that's in our head, friends. And we've got to take authority in Christ because we don't have authority in ourselves. He has to be king of kings and lord of lords in our heart. His kingdom has to be first. And that means his way. His, it may not make sense to us. It didn't make sense to me when, when God asked us to come to Waterville and, and we were just at a place that I thought we were really going good and being established in South Toledo. And he said, go. It didn't make sense to me, but it's not my way. It still is not making sense to me, but it's not my way. His kingdom first. And then he'll add all these things to us. No shortcuts. Amen. Let's commit today to put God first. When we obey God, we put his kingdom first because his kingdom again, is his rule and his reign. Be the king of my heart. Someone say that. Be the king of my heart. Another sign that Jesus is sitting the throne of your heart, that he's truly the king of kings and lord of lords in your heart, is that there's intimacy with the king. See, listen to this. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert, into the wilderness, right after the baptism by John. You remember, right after, not just the baptism, which was a sign of obedience, because John even said to to Jesus, well, why would you get baptized? I'm not even fit to untie your shoe or to tie your shoe, right? Like, who am I to baptize you? And Jesus said, "I, I must do this in obedience to God. 
setting the example in all things, right? So he gets baptized, and then here comes God opening up the heavens, descending like a dove, and there's a voice from heaven saying, this is my son whom I am well pleased. He said, this is my son whom I am well pleased before Jesus did one one thing in the ministry, friends, before he even went out preaching the kingdom. Come on. That's powerful right there. And so it was this awesome, marvelous time but uh, of affirmation of Jesus. But then it says that the Holy Spirit led him to the wilderness, to the desert. Could it be this, friends? Could it be that the desert in our lives the wilderness, those hard times, those times that we feel like we're getting hit left and right. Come on, somebody. Have you, have you been there? We're just like, my goodness, I can't even have one day without a crazy phone call. I mean, can I just have one day? Right? Have you ever been there? Could it be that those times that you're in the desert and that the Holy Spirit leads you there and allows the enemy to tempt you, could it be in those times that you are enduring and learning the greatest preparation for the greatest ministry that's yet to come? Lisa Bavera says this, the attack on your life has more to do, do with who you're going to be in the future than who you've been in the past, friends. Oh, Lord, help me. Help me. Our intimacy is most tested and most developed in the wilderness. So the second temptation that Jesus endured when he, he was tested his intimacy with God See, the devil even was so cunning. He was like, oh, he didn't fall for what Eve fell for. He didn't fall for what the Israelites fell for. Let me, oh, let me. He said he wants a, every word from the mouth of God, so let me tempt him with Scripture. That's kind of twisted, ain't it? The devil knows Scripture, too. Matter of fact, the book of James says that, oh, you know God? Good. Even the demons know God, and they shudder. So the enemy actually used Scripture to tempt Jesus. Be careful. <laughs> It says, uh, the devil used scripture to tempt him. He basically dared Jesus to throw himself from the temple saying the angels would catch him, right? The moment an individual puts God to the test, that person gives evidence that he or she does not really trust God. See, in context, again, going back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, 16, Jesus quoted, do not test the Lord your God. And so the enemy Quoted a scripture in Psalms, well, if you're really the son of God, throw yourself from the temple and the angels will basically catch you. Let's play truth and dare here, right? And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Okay, you got a scripture here. Let me get you with the scripture because we got to take the full context of the scriptures. He says in Deuteronomy 6, 16, do not test the Lord your God. And he's referring back to what happened in Massa and Meribah, which was in the what? The wilderness, friends. It's where the people murmured against God and tested him. Because they did not believe that he could, could or would give them water. The word Massa is one name, and it's derived from the verb in Hebrew, Nasa, to test. The other name, Meribah, uh, is from the verb rib, to strive. A trust that is weak or wavering seeks a sign or a dramatic intervention, intervention to make it steady. The Bible says, do not test the Lord your God. It says, when you're tempted, don't say that, that, that God tempted you. It's usually it's your own sin and desire to want to be your own king, to want to be your own boss, that sin that so easily entangles us. 
This is the thing. If we are going to endure the desert seasons, and we all have them at least once, usually multiple times in our life, if you want to endure those wilderness seasons, then you have to have intimacy with God. It's not about rules and, and regulations in the legalistic sense. It's about his rule and his reign in our heart. See, there's a difference. Intimacy is so important to Jesus that he said this in Matthew 7, 21, 23. It could be some of the scariest words that Jesus ever spoke. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Friends, Lord, Lord means master. It means king of my heart, not just savior, but savior and king, redeemer and ruler of my heart. Intimacy there. I never knew you goes back to the garden again where it says that Adam knew Eve. God wants to know more than what you can do for him, but he wants to know you. Intimacy is so important in our, in our battle and our fight against the enemy. Another sign that Jesus sits at the throne of your heart is that we take on the nature of the king. He is king of kings and lord of lords. And if he sits in our heart, not only do we need to keep the kingdom first, first and have intimacy with him, but we need to make sure our nature is the nature of the king. Now listen to what Philippians says here. Philippians 2, 5, and 7. Um, I, I believe it explains this is like the gospel summed up. It says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mind mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very what? Very nature, God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. See, the third temptation concerns, uh, concerning tip, the tempting of Jesus is about his nature. Matthew 4, 8, and 10, it says, again, the devil took him, to a very, took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the what? All the what? All the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. If there were a quick way for, for Jesus to become the king of the world or the messiahship, if you will, by bypassing the very reason he came, which was the passion of Christ, the crucifixion, for, then it would have been this way. This could have been his shortcut. The devil already had control over the kingdoms of the world. We see that in Ephesians 2. But now he was ready to give everything to Christ in return for his allegiance. But the mere thought of this caused the Lord's divine nature to shudder. Because though being in equality with God, he did not, uh, though being in the very nature of God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He submitted and said, in the garden, not my will, but your will be done. And he went to the cross, friends. There was a fight to keep him from going to the cross to buy us back, to redeem us, to, so that we can have in him authority. But the only way in him we can have authority is if we allow him in us in our heart as not just Savior, but Lord of Lords and King of Kings, ruler of our heart. 
And so that means we need to start taking on the nature of Jesus. That means we have to take on the nature of submitting. When we want to do something and we know it's not of God to do, the nature of Jesus is to submit. When we don't want to do something and we know it's of God for us to do, the nature of the king is to submit to the king of kings, the Lord of lords, to God. See, Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We need to begin to take on the characteristic and attitude of Jesus Christ, friends. That means when we're in the wilderness, we need to be like him and not like the Israelites who just whined and complained the whole time. Oh, it's hard. Oh, it sucks. I just want to quit. Come on, I've been there like this month. (laughs) this isn't satisfying me anymore this is the one I signed up for come on friends man I'm preaching to myself y'all we gotta make sure that we take we submit to his nature and we take on his characteristic and say you know what not my will but your will be done that means he's king I want to end it with this last letter here another sign that Jesus sits on the throne of our heart is that we grow in the kingdom. See, Jesus endured the temptations, right? And he passed the temptations. And, and the Bible says he was a, uh, 100% man, 100% God, and yet he did not sin like we um, so easily fall into. And he left the desert in power to preach the kingdom, to preach the gospel of the kingdom, right? When we endure the hard times, we too will grow in him. See, I wanted to hit this one little parable in Matthew 13, 31, and 32 because I believe this really sums up the kingdom in some ways. It says, he told them another parable that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field, though it was the smallest of all seeds. Yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree. So the birds come and perch in its branches. Friends, do not despise small beginnings. Do not despise the hard times that you're going through because it is producing in you fruit. It may look really small now. The, the, the promise that you're holding on to might not look like it's what it should be. But friends, when you plant that in good ground, it will produce a harvest and then become the biggest tree where it's going to produce the most fruit and you're going to be able to provide fellowship and shade for others so friends be encouraged being born again it's just the beginning it's just the beginning of the kingdom of God when you truly um, accept Jesus as Lord you believe that he came to establish his kingdom right now if you feel that you're in the desert if you feel like you're in the wilderness I want you to take courage because when you stand strong in that place Your motives are being purified, your backbone solidified, and your calling clarified, friends. That's what God is doing right now, and it's a good thing. The desert season will grow you if you allow it to, but the enemy is always there to tempt us, to make us be like the Israelites, to make us be like Adam and Eve, and to sell God out and to be our own king. Let's say no to him today.